The Guardian. Hello, this is Music Weekly. I'm Alexis Petridis. And I'm Kieran Yates. This week we chat with DJ, producer, promoter, label boss and man of many parts, Bok Bok. And Pete Perfidis time travels to 1992 with his parallel history of pop. And on Singles Club we cast our collective critical eye over the long-awaited returns of Vampire Weekend, Beyonce and the original Sugar Babes. That's all on Music Weekly from The Guardian. And uh, joining us in the studio this week is The Guardian's very own Rebecca Nicholson. Rebecca, what's been happening? What's in the news this week? In the music news this week. In the music news this week. Um, Lil Wayne didn't die. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) So well done. Good news there. (laughs) Good news there. People thought he was going to die. Why did people think he was going to die? Well, what what was the story, Kieran? He he was in hospital with seizures. Allegedly, thanks to Sizzurp, which is a mix of cough syrup and codeine. Yeah. But then his family was spoken out and said that he was just overexhausted because he just works too damn hard. Does he? Yeah, yeah. apparently. Right. Um, but he got better. He has been released from hospital. Right. So he's. But he's had a lot of seizures, hasn't he? I think so. And, and yeah. TMZ were reporting that he was on death's door. So it's quite nice that he hasn't died. Yes, absolutely. I think we should yeah. all be happy for that. I think, I think that's good. No, great, great, great. What else? What else? I went to the David Bowie exhibition. Tell us about that. <laughs> you didn't, you're not really that interested. There was a pause there <laughs> that suggested, you know. Good. No, I do. I do want to. Hear no, no, no. It's just too late now. Um, <laughs> um, no, lot, it was yeah, very, it's very good. We're actually going to talk more about um, the David Bowie exhibition. I think in a future edition of the uh, of the podcast. So, uh, because you know, there simply hasn't been enough discussion of David Bowie <laughs> this year. What was um, what was the best thing in it? What's uh, your favourite? The era? best thing in it. I keep saying the best thing in it was this sort of amazing. You know, it's amazing stuff they've got. It's handwritten. List it's a, it's a, hand, it's a synopsis of the, of the Ziggy Stardust thing that had all these song titles that didn't make it onto the album. One of which was "Bum," which would be amazing if it had been Ziggy Stardust had existed and there was a song on it called "Bum." Bum, just as in bum, yeah. Just as in, I don't think I don't I think it was more to do with the idea that he was a bum rather, rather than, than Ziggy played guitar <laughs> with his bum. I, mean, I, don't, think it was, I don't think it was that. Um, but that was sort of quite striking, and there was loads of stuff in there that you sort of looked at and went, wow, you know, God, the creativity of this man, at the, sort of the, the peak of his, you know, the 70s, really creative. But you also could look at another way and go, God, this guy was doing a lot of cocaine. Because yeah, qu- quite a lot of it didn't make that much <laughs> sense. You know? was this I've been synopsis. watching 70s, 70s videos of him where he's... Oh. His mouth is moving a lot yeah, it when did, he's it, not it, talking. There was an amazing thing where they, they found this uh, storyboard he did for a, uh, I think it was for a film, a film of Diamond Dogs or something like that, and it makes not one jot. So it's incredibly <laughs> detailed, really drawn in felts and all this sort of felt tips. And um, all the people are queuing up and they live off something called meal cane. And I thought, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I see what you're doing working then. the cocaine yeah. reference into that. Yeah. Um, but no, no, it is, it is absolutely amazing. It's, it's, it's definitely um, worth seeing. There you go. What else, what else, what else? Latitude headliners have been announced. Craftwork. Craftwork. Very good. Foles and Block Party. Very good. <laughs> um, that's, it's an interesting set of headliners for Latitude. Foles and Block Party, isn't it? I thought Latitude was a bit more, a bit more dad Dad oriented. The year that I went, the Maccabees headlined and Florence and the Machine headlined. Yeah. So it's kind of, I think it's fairly in keeping with. Is it? I'd have thought it'd be the kind of place where John Grant would headline or. Yeah. Um, Wait, do you think John Grant is dad music? It's dad yeah. music of the highest quality. Do you think? 
But it's in that world. It's on Bella Union. It's kind of like, it's a bit, mm, you know, it's about uncut. Give it a nine out of ten. Well, I, I mean, I love him. that. It's my favourite album of the year. It's so, a great you know, album. I, I, yeah. you know, I saw him in Iceland. Uh, he was he did a guest performance as part of, I can't remember who he was with, I think the producer of this record. Yes. And it yes. was Sonor. And he came on stage and there were two topless weightlifters lifting weights wow, and flashing really? strobe lights and some other weird stuff was happening with people in hoods and he performed then so that would be to- that that's not exactly, that well, that's exactly <laughs> what he should be doing I would see great. that yeah. with all respect to Block Party I would rather see that <laughs> headlining a latitude than, than, um, than them unless they're planning on doing something with weightlifters well they might be they you might never be. know you never know but yeah, he just did one song. He did Black Belt, and it was great. No, he's brilliant. He's absolutely wonderful. So, um, so Latitude's headlines. Kieran, what's been going on in your world? Wiley leaked his album yesterday. This is this is not week. the most um, unexpected turn of events, surely. <laughs> Wiley, Wiley leaked stuff. Um, is it any uh, good? Have you heard it? Yeah, it's okay. Is it like that a, dreadful single? <laughs> no, I mean he's kind of trying to return to his grime roots, and so there's lots uh-huh. of collabs with. Uh, grime people old mm-hmm. and new but then there's a lot of the, you know like the heatwave stuff all of that stuff he uses it, terrible. is it dreadful yeah yeah. all, um, the, all the kind of pop crossover stuff is pretty it's bad. awful yeah no he does, he's very really good at that it doesn't see where his um, his, uh, his talents lie maybe you know I think he's better at being <laughs> yeah. you know a, a grime artist yeah um, I know how much of a grudge Wiley holds over a three-star live review in the Guardian once, wow. so I'm what not happened? saying what did anything what did bad you, what, about what, Wiley at all. What, 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 how did the grudge uh, manifest itself? Well, I think he just wasn't happy about it. He did say but fuck was, the Guardian forever yeah, on yeah. Twitter. Didn't but he? it was a three-star review. It wasn't <laughs> this is not like, really, you know, <laughs> Don Corleone <laughs> kind of stuff. He's a fuck the Guardian on Twitter. Um, <laughs> so I think he is a wonderful man. Yeah, who does lots of great things. <laughs> marvelous, marvelous, Love marvelous. You, Wiley. That's all the news. Bok Bok is a London-based DJ and producer who also finds time to run the Night Slugs record label. Making his name on the mid-noughties grime scene, he teamed up with DJ Elviz 1990 to start the club night Night Slugs, which duly evolved into the label that has since launched the careers of artists such as Mosca, Jam City and Girl Unit. Kieran, you went for a cup of tea round Bok Bok's house. And this is what transpired. Hey Alex, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? Thank you for letting me into your house. You've been so busy. I know you've just come back from Australia, you've just been playing Fabric, you've got a mix out, you've got a compilation of Night Slugs out. How's it been? Pretty good. Like you say, busy, but satisfying. This is what I want to do, so it's good that I can do it all the time. Tell us a little bit about Night Slugs, because I think that people really recognise Night Slugs as a label that's doing electronica, certainly, in a really different way. Where does that ethos come from and why do you think that is? I think it's just as DJs, we like to play a lot of different music. And um, for, that, for that reason, it didn't really make sense to stick to any genre at any point. The diversity is kind of what makes it exciting for me, really. Like, it's just putting together different types of music as a DJ that makes, it, makes us want to make tracks. You just have a really good ear for talent. Why, why do you think I that is? I was lucky more than anything because I was already... I just happened to be friends with a bunch of really talented producers. And actually, that, that gave me such an edge because, um, I mean, a lot of labels actually have to go out and look for talent and... I can't say that at any point I've had a really like, like really engaged in our process with anyone. Like I've just you know things just find me, but um, but more than anything, the producers that are called tonight's logs are like my mates, and so we've been lucky to have that relationship. Really, you live with some of the people but, that you signed. Don't yeah, you? I do live with the, some of them exactly. That's why it's nice logs HQ. But it's kind of like happened that way. It just came together that way organically. It's kind of a it's kind of amazing actually. Okay, so it doesn't make for any awkward 
instances in the kitchen if you don't like what they've just sent you or anything no like we're pretty we're pretty open with each other really so it's like you know there's a lot of dialogue okay but if anything it really helps because it's generally a, a really close atmosphere that we have with the guys so it's, okay. it's kind of cool you can shout up the stairs if you don't like the new jam city album or whatever yeah pretty, pretty <laughs> much pretty much <laughs> How old is Nightslugs now? As a collective, I guess we're about five years old. As a label, we're three years old. Um, how far do you think that it it represents club culture in your experience? Or London's club culture, particularly? Actually, I think maybe less and less. Um, <laughs> for me, it's a huge influence and for everyone. I'm sure it's going to be just the UK flavour and that, that kind of vibe is going to be a, a lasting influence for the whole crew. But in terms of at the moment, I'm really not sure to what extent Nightslugs actually does represent London. I think we've kind of got, we've gone off on our own little tangent in a way. And a lot of that isn't actually to do with me. A lot of that is being guided by the other producers. Um, also, Elvis lives in New York now. So that's kind of, and you know, we have Kingdom and Fade to Mind in LA. It's not so centred around the UK scene anymore so much. Personally, I don't feel like London is providing that many new ideas necessarily at the moment. And so we're just looking elsewhere. Talk to me a little bit about you co-signing DJ Mike Cube, who is uh, the Prince of Ballroom. Yeah. And he's kind of really, I think, at the helm of pushing Ballroom in the club scene, uh, taking influence from vocals, taking influence from, well, I guess the house scene. Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been really cool. I wouldn't say co-sign like we co-sign Mike because really Mike is a force all of his own, and and actually he was he was kind of an influence on all of us guys kind of fairly early on. I mean, he's he's getting a bit of momentum now as a, as an artist in his own right, but as uh, doing what he's been doing in in the ballroom scene, Kingdom showed us his tracks as, as as far away as like three years ago, and ever since then he's been a big inspiration for all of us guys. It's just the most stripped down, most direct like genre of club music that's happening anywhere at the moment, and it's, it, you, you can't ignore it. It's vital. Has he taught you how to Vogue? <laughs> um, maybe Von Alua tried to show me a little bit, but I think I'll stay on the production side for now. And then, yeah, lastly, onto your mix, because that's out. That was a really hotly anticipated mix from you. I think that kind of this is a way, I guess, of Bok Bok, the DJ, really representing his sound. I mean, is, is that sort of working in synchronicity with Night Slugs? Do you want to separate yourself a little bit from that? How yeah. do you see yourself as an artist within that? I've definitely got my own identity, I think, and I've got my own sound that I bring to the table, uh, which which changes, you know, all the time, really, because it's like, really depends on wh- where the hot beats are coming from. And it's, you know, really, my whole my whole thing is I'm a DJ first and foremost, and then the what you know what that feeds into the way that I run the label. So yeah, I'm just trying to be a DJ, really. Aside aside from Night Slugs, is like my my aim is to try and still put together these interesting mixes full of like new club stuff and different club stuff. Perfect. So what's next for you? For me, um, I'm in the studio a lot, just working on new material, so hopefully EPs will drop, um, but nothing quite confirmed just yet. Other than that, I'm just looking after Night Slugs. Loads of music to come from us. Um, so, yeah, just keep it coming, basically. Perfect. Thank you very much. Uh, Thanks pleasure. for talking my to pleasure. us. Thanks for having us. Cheers. That was Kieran talking to, uh, talking to Bok Bok there. Um, let's crack on with Singles Club. First up, it's My Choice.
Vampire Weekend. Back, back, back with Diane Young. Um, track from their forthcoming third album, um, which they've stuck up on YouTube. Viva, one of the two, I can't remember. There's two tracks off the album up there. Um, I really liked Vampire Weekend when they came out, but I thought, this is the classic example of a band that have arrived fully formed and there is nowhere for this group to go. This is what they do. They've got the whole shtick. It's this kind of preppy-looking thing where they sing these sort of Afrobeat-y, you know, songs about, you know, posh people on, on Ivy League campuses in America, which, you know, on one level seems a faintly amazing thing because, frankly, if a British band came along and had a bunch <laughs> of songs about being at Cambridge... <laughs> <laughs> you know, one can only begin <laughs> to imagine the hostility that would, you know, from the kind of people like Vampire Weekend. There's people, you know, singing songs about punting and the Porter's Lodge and stuff like that. But anyway, um, and I thought this is going to, you know, this is a great album, but it, it's one of those things, a bit like The Strokes, where it's a one-shot thing and it's going to be diminishing returns um, thereafter. And I was wrong. It would appear I was wrong. I really like the second Vampire Weekend album. And this doesn't really have any of the, the sort of tropes that you associate with Vampire Weekend about it at all. It doesn't have sort of, you know, chiming Congolese-style guitar playing. Um, it doesn't seem to have many lyrics about kind of posh people on, on campuses and all that kind of thing. Um, it seems to be quite a bold, just a really good pop song, but also quite a sort of bold-sounding record, distorted drums like, like that, um, weird kind of effect on his vocals, forward-thinking you know, record. Um, and that is why I chose it as my singles club entry for this week. And we've all danced. When that was playing, we did all dance in the studio. Everyone did a little chair. It was like the Harlem Shake. <laughs> kind of muted. Sort of, like, like, very like. lazy Harlem <laughs> Shake. <laughs> Shuffling in the chair. <laughs> no, it's, it's quite a funky... You know, you can see that um, ripping through the indie disco. Yeah, you? definitely. Not that, I mean, the last time I went to an indie disco, it was <laughs> someone by Carter, the Unstoppable Sex Machine, <laughs> was probably driving people to the floor. But, but you know, nonetheless, um, I assume that's what people what people like. And, you know, I, I um, also, I reviewed the album by Peace this week. And this is a band that's been very hotly tipped. And um, it's one of those records you just listen to and think, God, this kind of, that mainstream guitar music, mainstream alternative guitar music, that's the stuff that Enemy writes about. This is just screwed, it's just over, forget it this is just a record that sounds exactly like a load of other music from the past it's quite well done, it's got quite good songs on it it's saying nothing new, if I was 16 I would go and listen to Bok Bok you know, I, I would, you know, I'd go and just try and listen to something that sounded weird and different and kind of adventurous and maybe a bit obnoxious I'd probably listen to Skrillex, you know mm. um, and then you hear something like this and you think actually, well this is, this is your mainstream alt-rock, this is kind of chart-bound you know Six music sort of stuff, and it's actually really good, and it's joyful. Um, similarly, I reviewed the Strokes album this week, and to me, that was just lacking in any sort of joy whatsoever. Yeah. It felt really kind of joyless and mm. and like a chore, like it had been a chore for them to record. Whereas this is the complete opposite. It sounds mm. like they had a laugh. It sounds like they had a great time, yeah. didn't they? Yeah. So we like that, Kieran. I think Ezra is like nothing if not really charismatic, and that just really comes through. Like I think mm. that that it's like a record that's teamed with charisma, and. You know, in the same way, I think that Julian Casablanca is the most interesting things about about the Strokes. Mm. Like, you know, people, like they're the ones that the girls also fancy, or lots of my girlfriends fancy. And yeah, I like I like all of that. I think it's a little bit too much guitar distortion on this towards the end, which okay. <laughs> I didn't like. But yeah, I really like it. It, sound, it was very clean sounding, I thought, mm. and I preferred this to the other track, which was yeah, I, pre- yeah, I significantly too. preferred this to the other track. And but I the know, other track is I quite like good. The yeah, that baby. Baby, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah obviously kind of thing going on. The original there. hipster glasses. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, um, three thumbs up. It would appear six thumbs up. 
for Vampire Weekend and Diane Young. Let's move on to Kieran's choice. And I want a place where I can go now and again Already been here too many times before And I'm gonna pay, please if you stay pals to shame Gotta hold a man dear, it it cries the fall When I lay down, you can bet I have found where I wanna be And all around where I tread Are all the sounds that I found for the luck on me It's so profound and you can bet That's Mutcha, Keisha and Siobhan uh, with Lay Down and Swimming Pool. So Mutcha, Keisha and Siobhan are the original lineup of Sugar Babes. They presumably aren't allowed to call themselves Sugar Babes because the other version of Sugar Babes, which now just seems to have, I, I don't know, anybody. Is Am- Amelie, is she still in Sugar Babes? Yeah. Amel, Heidi. Amel. And is is Heidi Range still in it? I don't know. I think so. I They've gone very quiet. Who was who the one that um, was on the Andrew Lloyd Webber show? Jade. Jade. Is yeah. she still in it? I think so. Right. Um, got some mixed race girls. So, yeah, okay. Think. So we've got... So they're sort of still knocking about. They've got the original trio back together. Who... Um, a lot of, lot of bad blood. I, I interviewed Siobhan from the Sugar Bakes when she was embarking really? on her solo career. Man, that was that was not a happy, you know, that was not a band <laughs> that broke up amic- amicably because of musical differences. That was a band of teenage girls that were all, yeah, you know, they hated each other. Um, so it's kind of remarkable about together, but maybe you know they're older. Um, Kieran, why but do they you are great. Song? They are great. I think, like fundamentally, there's, it's very easy to criticise them because you know they have lots of. I think not not by you, Lexus. Don't do that face. I mean by yeah, lots of people because they are this kind of you know very well con- produced, constructive girl band who have kind of been copy and pasted by various members at various parts of their careers. But they are really like talented and great. And this track is a rework of Kendrick Lamar's Swimming Pools. That was out last year on his album, and they've been in LA working with Dev Hines. Dev uh, Hines is elevation he, to top top producer. You know I mean? Just uh, bog. It's like that weird time when the Hives suddenly started appearing on loads of hip hop and R and B. How did they? What? what? <laughs> I missed he's the memo really about this. Good he's really good at producing pop women. I mm. think he's really found his niche, and because okay. everything is embarrassing, that Sky Ferreira track that was one of my favourites of last year. Mm-hmm. Obviously, mm-hmm. the stuff he's done with Solange, brilliant. Mm-hmm. He's really good at it. Cool. Um, yeah, it seems like they're sort of reclaiming their sound with his help, and they've now got to a place where they may perhaps should have always sounded but it's just as poppy and I don't know just I'm as excited R&B-ish. to see because by I mean this may be just the way they're trying to sell it but this does sound like they just sang over um swimming pools for a bit of a laugh and put it online to see what would happen <laughs> right it's right. not an official yeah. single right. release mm. or anything like that mm. but they sound incredible and I'd missed their voices I'd miss yeah, their, their voices, voices individually together. and together and what I really like is that it sounds like mutya has been on the fags <laughs> <laughs> and I think she should carry on oh, carry on so smoking because her voice is so it's gone really kind of she always was a little bit throaty but it's mm. gone even more throaty and oh. then when Siobhan comes in and does a kind of slightly ethereal I, I think it's I brilliant. would have preferred I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to throw a spanner in the works here and say I would have preferred a slightly more kind of obviously pop and less R&B-ish track from the Sugar Babes I'm not 100 I've always felt there was this side of the Sugar Babes what they really wanted to do what Muchi and Keisha really wanted to do is basically make R&B records that's sort of what where their heads were at and you would always get that stuff on their albums it was not terribly convincing I I found you know Mm. Um, I much preferred the the Sugar Babes of Freak Like Me or um, 
Overload or whatever, you know, those kind of records. Um, Red Dress, like that too. So I would have preferred it to be slightly more obviously a pop record. I don't know that's... Right. Like, that, that's but they the, might have that coming. They might. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who knows? This is just available online, is it? Yes. Excellent. He he tweeted this, Dev Hines tweeted it, saying that we were just messing around in the studio and having a bit of fun and this is what happened. Okay. And then people have picked it up from there. I, I hope they're going to come up with a better name than Mutya, Keisha and Siobhan, which is... Uh, it's like when ABBA first started and they were called Anifrid, Agnetta, <laughs> Benny and uh, Bjorn. You, t- you know, you, that's a rotten name for a band. Yeah, but you I quite like it though. MKS. Sounds like a sort of 90s budget clothes shop. It does. <laughs> KMS. Yeah. SKM. No. No? No. Bit scum. It's scum. good because scum. Any- what scum. Great, they're amazing if they were called scum. The, yeah, the okay. SKM scum. Be their debut album. Scum Manifesto. <laughs> <laughs> totally go for that Solanus vibe. That's, that's, it's absolutely. It's all there, people. This is what you tell you what the music industry, right? They're all always oh, terrible. Isn't it? Get us in. Get the three of us into your A and R meeting. There you go. What's happening? We'll the sugar baby right up. Call yourself scum. Base yourselves around the woman that tried to show, she tried to murder Andy Warhol. There you go. That's that's your whole shtick. Pitchfork um, would love it. Oh, can you imagine? Can you imagine if that was their shtick? How much Pitchfork would love that? Nine point zero all the way. Amazing. Um, that's so. You need to go to what Dev Hines' Twitter feed to find this. Well, no, this now thing. it's on blogs everywhere. Okay, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Finally, let us have Rebecca's choice. Bow down. Um, Rebecca, your choice. You brought this in. I brought uh, this in. I thought we should talk about it because I don't think anyone would have expected Beyonce's comeback music to sound like this. I mean, the second part of this, this is a, a two a kind of two parts of yeah. songs smushed together. Right. And Bow Down, the first one, and then I Been On. And I Been On is bonkers. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it kind of really goes into a, a different place. I was slightly concerned after Four, her last album, yeah. which I loved, but I don't think it was the, quite the kind of massive global commercial smash that, that uh, she might have expected, that she would go a bit Greta and kind of try to get back into mm, that mainstream yes. pop thing. And it doesn't sound like she has. No, it, it sounds, sounds like it, she's very much doing her own thing. It sounds yeah. uh, suitably mental. I've said this many times on on the pod. I am a huge fan of uh, that sort of early noughties period of R and B, where every record just sounded like it came from Mars. Yes, you know, mm. you, you know it's proper. Like, is the radio tuned in properly? Is there something wrong? You know, it's amazing production. And I was pleased to see it sort of back on the Justin Timberlake album, though. You know, that issues with, with with old JT himself. And I'm pleased to hear. I just think that's great. It's like you've made a really insane, you know, futuristic sounding record. Uh, lyrics. I'm not really a great for the sort of self justifying R and B lyric. I'm just... kind of interested in this because I, thanks to the magic of the internet, I ended up having a discussion, shall we say, with Rizzle Kicks about about these with former <laughs> pod guests, friends of the pod, yeah, friends of the pod, Rizzle Kicks about this, and they were saying that the message 
wasn't a good message. What's the message of the song? What, how would well, you summarise it? She, she in in bow down. I've been on is just completely nope. She's just talking about all of the Houston rappers that she's known. Right. Um, in a pitched down kind of almost knifey sort of mm-hmm. vocal. It sounds mm-hmm. like it's very weird. But in Bow Down, she's saying, bow down, bitches. Mm-hmm. She's the queen. But I think people have taken that to mean that she's saying this to her fans. But I sort of took it as a, like, a kind of, yeah. you know, she's bragging about being I mean, at the top of the is, game this yeah. is not, to other pop know, This stars. is the woman that wrote Survivor. This is not, you know, yeah, a, a song yeah. which, you know, was, was so vindictive about the ex-members of, uh, of uh, Destiny Child that it occasioned a lawsuit for <laughs> So, I mean, you know, I don't think this is someone that we want to look at and sort of go, well, gosh. I Where's know, the I'm, feminist message in this? Message? But um, I think she's... I, if you take it as her talking to other pop Ooh, stars, yeah. male... Queen Bee? Male, yeah. Men get away with this all the time. Yeah, and right. it's part of rap. And that's, you know... Ooh. And I, I quite like that she's doing it. And I quite like that she's doing it in a pitched down, male-sounding voice. Yeah. Mm. There's something really interesting there. I'm not saying it's a great feminist anthem, but I don't really have a problem with her saying, bow down bitches, if she's saying, you know, I'm the best at the pop game. She yeah. is. In my opinion, Beyonce is the best at the pop game. Fantastic. I will bow down you will to bow down. <laughs> I will be Beyonce's bitch. Karen. Um, yeah, I think she's is self-knowing about all those things. I mean, um, in um, <laughs> I've Been On, there's that weird kind of messianic Catholic chorus that she starts singing that goes on for a little bit too long. And, you know, I think that there's always like, amazing things about Beyonce. She knows she's an incredibly talented vocalist. She's, you know, a great dancer, all these things. And then now and again, she does get little bits wrong, like that sort of cringeworthy line in this where she talks about overtly about being Jay-Z's wife. I'm not and, just his little wife. Yeah, no, I mean, I find that a little I'm bit I'm not just cringe. his little wife because, I, because she's called the, car, uh, the tour, the Mrs. Carter tour. People yeah. were saying, that's a bit like Cheryl Cole getting, mm. you know, Mrs. Cole tattooed on her neck. But she's answering them and saying, I'm not... Did she have Mrs. Cole tattooed on her she neck? Yeah. Or something like that. On yeah. her neck, Whoops. like the bass yeah. player out the stereophonics. Honestly, <laughs> that's dreadful. I didn't know that. Okay, fine. Yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously, if Cheryl's listening, <laughs> um, you're entitled to have your body art wherever you want. I'm um, sure she doesn't regret it now. I um, thought Mrs. Carter was about like reimagining the role of the wife, though, wasn't it? Wasn't it just about saying that you can be a wife and still have a headline sellout tour and be a queen bitch? But also, I like that Justin Timberlake and MTV and people have been tweeting her about being King Bee, and she started referring to herself as King Bee. King Bee. King Bee. Well, see, that goes into the kind of manly mm. thing again, with mm. the pitching down her vocals, so she sounds like a man, and she's got that kind of, you know... How was this track announced? How were these tracks She put announced? it on her Tumblr, mm. and there's been kind of no information about it, so... Mm. Again, it's unlikely to be the first single. That's not how it works, it seems, anymore. It's like you put the teaser online, you get all the blogs on it's board, just then a you thing, do a isn't it? Yeah, I, yes, absolutely, yeah. yes. I don't really understand how that process works anymore. But anyway, so it's, it's available for download or just to listen to? Just have a listen. Just have a listen? Excellent. There's get... also an unpitched version that someone's done where they've brought her vocals back up to Beyonce. What does that sound like? Is, it's really good. I, I kind of prefer it a little bit. Do you? Yeah. I kind of I like that sort of lurching ode to southern trap mm. thing that they've got in this all those kind of bass claps and yeah <laughs> it's What's like uh, when we did last time i was on this when we did kelly Rowland's kisses down low oh, oh yeah oh, maybe it was beyonce yeah Christmas <laughs> down, 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 down. <laughs> i forgot all about i, I had uh, after a, a course of extensive uh, therapy to try and make me forget that sorry, sorry. i completely forgotten about that gosh um well there you go beyonce bow down um is uh, available on her uh, Tumblr. What else is on Beyonce's Tumblr? I've not seen Beyonce's Tumblr. Of Beyonce doing stuff. Like and what? Is she doing... And Blue Ivy. 
Really? <laughs> yeah. Do you tweet a lot of pictures of a kid? Yeah. No, not tweet. Oh, right, how interesting. There's one of her on a tractor, I think. With a hard Amazing. Hat. With a hard hat, yeah. Really? Yeah. She's this been doing great. a bit of construction. <laughs> <laughs> and voting. She's got a picture of her voting. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, uh, Dolly Parton has also just started a Tumblr, which I'm very excited actually. about. It's only got like four posts at the moment. What was on her Tumblr? Pictures of Dolly Parton. Doing? Tumblr's not very... Sophisticated. Yeah, it's, it's just pictures, pictures of, of nails. Stuff. <laughs> you can put other things. You can write things on Tumblr. Yeah, but mostly people just put pictures of people oh, doing stuff. Right. On. But what's Dolly? Is Dolly Parton doing anything exciting in the pictures? No, just being Dolly Parton. Right. That's exciting enough for I me. No, I suppose so. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Fine, fine. That sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, go and have a look at some pictures of Dolly Parton. <laughs> um, okay. Well, look. Um, that's uh, Singles Club. Our friend Peter Feeders is back. Looking under his bed this week, he was delighted to discover a copy of Select from way back in 1992. Full of bands, they sound like peace. Um, so here he is with the next edition of the Parallel History of Pop. I have in my hands a copy of Select magazine from March 1992. 21 years ago, Select magazine ran for about um, nearly 10 years, I think, maybe 8 or 10 years. It was, I guess, it was a vaguely indie-centric, maybe a sort of indie-oriented version of of smash hits for slightly older music listeners, students, so forth. This is a copy I bought at the time, held on to it all these years. It has Curve on the cover. Curve were um, a male-female duo, part of the shoegazing phenomenon, which was uh, certainly in the indie world was pretty much at its peak at this time. Um, it was all about grunge and shoegazing at this point. Grunge over in the States and shoegazing over here. We've got a picture in the top right-hand corner of the cover, A Night on the Tiles with Lush, um, and so that sets the scene rather. This was the scene, of course, that was referred to in the Melody Maker as the scene that celebrates itself because they all used to hang around uh, together in West End indie night spots. And uh, so we go to uh, page four straight away, which is uh, there's a section called Front Lines where we uh, find out what's happening in the world of pop, indie pop. Happy Monday's next album should be their sunniest yet. They're currently recording it. Eddie Grant's Blue Wave Studios in Barbados with wives, girlfriends, children and hangers-on. And because we are now in the future, we know that it was an absolute disaster and the resulting album... Uh, yes, please. Were coincided with uh, the sort of crack cocaine fueled dissolution of Happy Mondays, and such was their addiction to um, crack cocaine that they removed a lot of the furniture from Eddie Grant's studio and sold it in exchange for drugs. Now things are changing in music. There's obviously we're in also we're in a sort of post acid house environment, and there are various groups competing to sort of. Uh, co-opt some of that those influences into the mainstream and one of them is a new group called m people who are sort of helmed by former quando quango man uh, mike pickering and uh, obviously a very important character in the sort of manchester sort of um uh, hacienda scene 
Uh, Mike Pickering had also um, been putting records out. He discovered Guru Josh. As if this wasn't warning enough, then the, the journalist forgives him for that particular sin and then goes on to um, talk in quite hysterical terms about the, this brilliant new group that uh, Mike Pickering is masterminding called M People. Journalist says, uh, says, as the title indicates, the title of their album is Northern Soul. Uh, this is an album with soul and boasts finely crafted songs, sweet string and brass touches and vocals so warm they could melt a Russian winter. I don't think of Heather Small's vocals as um, maybe having warmth, really. Maybe the warmth of a sort of bubbling pit of sulphur in a, in an Icelandic national park, maybe, but not, not, not warmth in the conventional sense. But there's an interview with Soul Family Sensation. There's an interview also with Ian McCulloch, who was just about to launch his second solo album after having left Echo and the Bunnymen. A, a, a slight note of hubris about some of his quotes here. The reporter writes, McCulloch went solo in 1989, leaving the Bunnymen when, quote-unquote, when the going was still good. He claims not to have seen them lately, but then again, he says, I haven't seen the searchers either, or the swinging blue jeans, the implication being that they're history. Little did he know that he would spend the majority of the next 30 years peddling uh, ever-diminishing returns with Echo and the Bunnymen. He's also asked what pop stars he kind of rates um, alongside himself, obviously. And um, he says that he thinks the, the sort of most charismatic pop stars at the moment are Tim Burgess and Mark Gardner, both of whom, one has to notice, look at quite a lot like Ian McCulloch. Um, a lukewarm review uh, for James's uh, Seven album uh, from Dave Kavanagh and uh, a rather funny review of the Manic Street Preachers' new album, Generation Terrorist, which was very sort of eagerly anticipated at the time. And um, the, 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 the journalist Richard Lowe has a lot of fun with it. He says, um, he doesn't pull any punches. He says, harping on about cli- how cliched and unoriginal the Manic sound is futile. They admit to being one big cliché, but so much of this record is lame filler, dreary, second-rate rock music that makes you check the label to see if you've picked up the Poison or Faster Pussycat album instead. Doing a song with ex-porn queen Tracy Lords may be an important statement but it still sounds like Tiffany made a record with REO Speedwagon and finally we come to the letters page in many ways a kind of the most accurate reflection of what's going on out there a couple I'd like to uh, mention if there's one thing I can't stand it's music mags that think they're so hip they can ignore people with real talent Where's the coverage of real bands like World Party and The Water Boys? You saw the whole of the moon. Your staff of failed bass players might think they're really, quote-unquote, deaf and, quote, housing. I've never heard that term in my life. Housing. 
writing about idiots like Alternate. But can they play their instruments? No. Come on, Select. When will you stand up for real music? That was from Eliza Harold in Wolverhampton. And Luke O'Brien writes, um, I never thought I'd have to write a letter like this. I used to travel the length and breadth of the country to see Johnny Marr play guitar in The Smith. But she went to see Electronic playing, quote-unquote, live. I'm absolutely convinced that Johnny Marr is artistically dead. How in the name of God could you resuscitate a dead-ass performance like this one? crap aimless songs <laughs> and no decent guitar play just two porky blokes with a big audience and no ideas that's <laughs> quite withering and um, there you go finally so poor old Richie Street Preacher spends his Thursday nights wandering around Soho on his own because quote I have so few friends what a surprise what's even more surprising is that considering he divides his time between such acts of subversion as burning all the posters on his wall and shopping for eyeliner and fur coats. He still has a few friends left. I mean, what is the guy on? Asks Sean Watson of Brixton. We'll leave that question hanging enigmatically in the air. Thank you for joining me for this uh, parallel history of pop music as viewed via the pages of Select Magazine in March 1992. I hope you can join me next month. Pete feed us there, marooned in 1992. He'll be back in a few weeks with another relic from his archives. That's it for this week. Big thank you, of course, to Pete and to Bok Bok. And, of course, to Rebecca. Thank you very much for coming in. Thanks for having me. Pleasure as ever. Um, check out guardian.co.uk forward slash music weekly for more information on the show. Me and Kieran, we're back next week. See ya. Bye. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.